All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm joined today by Justin Escar. He's an author and entrepreneur and has a new book out that we're going to talk about. But Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Todd? Going real well. Thank you for carving out some time to join me. Looking forward to our conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about the new book, Capitalize on Your Idea. Capitalize on your idea, bringing any idea to fruition. Justin, before we get into the conversation of the book, uh, do take a few quick seconds, inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Sure. Uh, so my background, I'm an Apple consultant by day. And uh, in my Apple consulting agency, uh, I used to do these work tickets for my clients. Over time, I, I realized in my studio apartment in New York City that like, I was just piling up paper and paper and paper. And I came up with an app to help alleviate that problem. That app turned into what was called Sign My Pad, which we'll talk about later. And the whole process of how I went from idea all the way to production and getting it made and stuff like that is is how I created the book and how I created this new entity called Capitalize on Your Idea. Outstanding. Well, give us the 10,000-foot view of the book. Why did you write it? Who's it for? Sure. So I wrote it for any... Everybody comes up to you and says, oh, I have this great idea for an app. And I'm like, okay, Here's how you get it made. And in the world that we're in today, you know, apps are such a big part of our life. Whether it's whether it's you're making an app to be a game or you're making an app to be part of your brand or whatever it is. And the book really gives you I call it a 101. It really gives you the step-by-step ways to write how to get your app built. And I do all this without a lot of outsourcing because I actually don't know how to code at all. So I outsource everything the graphics, the coding, the marketing, the website, pretty much all of it. And the book is a very short read in terms of how to follow the steps. I don't repeat anything. I, don't, I, I try to make it very clean and concise. You start, you start from here and you end up here. And at the end, you're going to have something that you can sell. So the books, it looks like the book focuses on building apps, but I suspect it can apply to bringing any idea to fruition. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So Actually, we sell a magnetic stylus as part of uh, our app because uh, it's a P, you know because it's a PDF signature application. So we sell this magnetic stylus to go with it. I followed the same rules to getting that done as I did to getting the app done. You can apply the steps in any form to make anything, whether it's an app, software, widget, whatever. Uh, the rule, like the rules, still apply to it. Well, I'm gonna. I've asked this question of thousands of people. I've never gotten a satisfactory answer. I'm gonna see uh, what, how you answer it. <laughs> the but uh, on. <laughs> but this idea, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody thinks it's a good thing to come up with ideas. Look, look what's obviously it's ideation is an important part of business. Uh, but where most people fall short is doing anything with that. Why right. is that such a problem? Why why does the human race struggle so with bringing ideas to fruition? So it's it's twofold in my opinion. Uh, one is they're afraid. People are very afraid that if they create a product and the product fails, it looks poorly on them, and that it's it, that it's personal. And it's not. It's not just because you came up with an idea and it doesn't work doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. There was just maybe something wrong with your idea. 
Um, but so many people really cross that line and think, oh, if my product fails, I'm a failure. And, and that really uh, sets a lot of people back. The other part of it is money. People think it's really expensive to get this kind of stuff done. And I've been very candid with my audience and, and people who I've talked to about it. The first version of Sign My Pad that we ever did, I got it done for 2300 bucks, which is not a lot of money. So when you have an idea and you're trying to whether, figure out whether or not you can afford it, I always tell my clients this. Ask yourself, how much money can I afford to lose where I'm not messing up my like, daily life? Can I lose $5,000 on this idea? Can I lose $10,000? Can I only lose a couple hundred bucks? Figure out what that is. That's your budget. And then from there, realize, okay, I do have the money to do this, and I'm not going to be stuck if I do fail eating ramen for the rest of my life or losing my house or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I, the, the money thing, obviously, look, I've, I've conducted thousands of interviews where we talked about this idea of fear holding people back. And so I don't know that you and I need to necessarily dive into that. There's plenty of, uh, of commentary out in the world about how to combat that, how to process that. And mm-hmm. you're, never, you're never going to be free of it, even Justin no, Escar. absolutely. As successful as he's been, still struggles with fear and all that. So that's human nature. We all do that. Uh, I think that's just an excuse. But the money thing is really intriguing, and, and I think people are. Uh, I, I think we're. I think we get distracted by all these stories that we see where oh. X company just raised another $20 million in this and $15 million in that. And I think it, that, that, that perception that this kind of thing requires that kind of money is, is part of what wards a lot of people off from doing something about their idea. But, but the, the money thing really, and we're going to talk a bit about this outsourcing idea and how to, and how to get support and help out there. There's so many resources and so many tools out there to help you do this stuff. The, uh, what, 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 when someone comes up, up to you, Justin, and sits down with you and says, all right, I have this really cool idea. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I want to make it happen. What are, the, what are the first two or three things they should do to take that idea to the next step? So the I want to I want to backtrack a little bit about but the money thing and this kind of goes into that question is a lot of people see the news out there that this company just raised millions of dollars in seed funding or this company just sold and made millions of dollars a lot of people are blinded by the large numbers and they're saying okay unless my idea is going to make me millions of dollars I don't want to do it and I tell people this stop trying to make the million dollar idea cuz you'll never get it you'll never move with it it's very hard to move those Start trying to make $100,000 ideas. Come up with a product that can supplement your income or maybe double your income or even get you out of your nine-to-five job. That's going to be a much more tangible goal than trying to create the next Facebook. So many people call me and they say, I have this great idea. And I go, okay, fine, what is it? And they go, it's going to be bigger than Facebook. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> All right. I don't want to at that point. I don't want to talk to you anymore because like Facebook is so big. Granted, it's on the decline and whatever, but it's such a big platform. And I'm like, if you think that your idea and you're coming to me for help with your idea is so great that it's going to be bigger than Facebook, what do you need from me? Go build it. Um, And then they go, well, I want to validate the whole thing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you need validation first. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. So, but you should validate your ideas. Um, if you have an idea and you want to see whether or not it's it's good or not, there's a lot of like 
businessy things. I'm I'm a very fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. I don't write business plans. I don't write executive summaries. Uh, I I I don't do the business model canvas, but I will do some validation. And what I mean by that is, while Sign My Pad was in 2010 non-validated, some of our newer apps are things that I've asked around to see if people need before I went and built them. Our latest app, Good Night, for example, which allows parents to monitor if their kids use their phones when they're supposed to be sleeping. I went to my sister who has three kids and I went to all of her friends who have kids in the age that would have iPhones. And I said, hey, what do you guys think about this idea? That validated it for me. So just a small subset of people to um, find out whether or not it'll work. Because honestly, if, you're, if your idea is not generic enough, but broad enough to be able to reach let's say, moms and dads, there's going to be a lot of moms and dads out there that need this thing. So it kind of worked out for us. If your product is really, really niche, you need to validate with those markets first to see if they'll, if they'll buy into it. Um, if you're not doing that and you go ahead and buy it, you can pretty much kiss whatever money you've spent goodbye. And that's all done prior to any steps you're going to take. Um, prior to buying a URL, prior to thinking about marketing or product name or whatever it is. You need to first figure out whether or not people want this product. Uh, here's an example. A couple of years ago, somebody called me and was like, I have a great idea for an app. I was like, okay. He goes, I want to make an app so that way when I text you, it makes an explosion sound so I could be like, yo, I'm blowing up your phone. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what? Re- really? And I was like, why don't I just set my text tone to like an explosion sound? It does the same thing. He goes, no, 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 no. You're missing out on it, man. And I was like, okay. And then we started talking about how much it would cost to build it and how much he was going to sell it for. And he, we realized that he, would, he realized that he would never make his money back. And then he never called me back. Obviously, he didn't validate his idea. He thought it was going to be fun and cheeky. That's not what it's about. In my line where I'm not making games, you need to validate. And that's a huge component of it. After that, you can follow the steps. Uh, get an NDA, get a non-compete, get a patent, get it built, and so on and so forth. All right. Well, we'll talk about patents in the second half of the show. One last question before the break. Uh, another area that I that I think concerns me about the mindset of people who are trying to do something like this is they is they is they sit there and think they've read so much about the the sex appeal of the pivot. Right. They've, they've heard all these stories about how Dropbox changed and how Instagram used to be something else and how Twitter used to be something else. And so they're almost they're, they're trying to focus on the pivot more than building the initial product and validating right. it. I mean, is am I reading that right or is a pivot a relatively common thing in something like this? It, it is and it isn't. The, the problem with the pivot is that you need to actually have a product that's out there that's not working first in order to pivot on it. <laughs> If you don't put the product out there, what are you pivoting on? All right. Right? The Dropbox and Instagram, even Airbnb, they all put their products out there. Nobody was biting. They pivoted. If you make a product, now we've never pivoted Sign My Pad, but for our app Goodnight, for example, which I said earlier was like for parents, one of the potential pivots we had, and this only came to us afterwards as an email, was a woman wanted to install it on her husband's phone to make sure he wasn't cheating on her. <laughs> Right. If that's not a pivot, I would have no idea. Right. So, you know, but the product has to be out there. People have to know about it. And if it's not doing if it's not going the way you want or your customers are seeing something else in it, that's when you pivot. Okay, cool stuff. All right. Justin Escar will return after this quick break. We'll be right back. 
Wondering if technology can help you run your business better? To help you better manage your data? To make more informed, more strategic, and faster business decisions? Say hello to Savad Business Solutions. We don't rest until we identify and put into place customized solutions to remove the bottlenecks from your organization, making you better, faster, and more effective. Learn more at SavanSolutions.com. That's S-I-V-A-D Solutions.com. All right, we're back with Justin Escar, author and entrepreneur. Justin, so you mentioned patents uh, right before the break. Uh, uh, that's another thing that I think intimidates people, is this big bureaucratic process to go before the federal government to, to get a patent. Walk me through how you do it and why you do it. So there are four pieces of legal components to building this kind of stuff. In the beginning, you have your non-disclosure and non-compete, and that's to protect yourself from people stealing your idea or copying it. And in the after, you have your patents and your trademarks. Um, for all four, get a lawyer. There are good IP lawyers out there um, who can help you with this. I actually have a, a very good law firm in New Jersey who helps me with all my stuff. It's it's It seems daunting and it seems scary, but in the end, the payoff is huge because then you can say, you own the rights to your idea and no one else can take that from you for 20 years. And the thing with patents is kind of like doing a research paper. You have to read all these notes and you have to get all this information in order to hand in this final thesis. But when it's done and it's and you've gotten it back and it's graded, i.e. you've gotten your patent, you feel this sense of accomplishment and, re- and relief. Now, the patent methodology is tough, but that's why you hire a lawyer to do it. Um, let them worry about all the details. You just provide them whatever you need. For my lawyer, he just says, Justin, I need a couple more pictures of this. And I sent it to him. He sent me a draft of the patent and he goes, read this over. And I read it and I call him and I'm like, I don't understand any of this. And he goes, perfect. (laughs) That's exactly what you need. (laughs) Well, let's go back to the money problem. I fear that so many people would say, oh, geez, I can't afford a lawyer, so I'll just try to do it myself and down, not, da- download no. some template from the Internet. I mean, so what is the what, – how, how, what, what does it cost? So I paid – I'm trying – I paid something like two to $3,000 for my patent, not including the application fee, which I think was like 700 bucks. So that was just in lawyer time. Um, when I called around for patents I, – I, I've applied for a couple different patents over time and – when I was looking for lawyers, I called a couple places and like one guy on the phone didn't know anything about me, didn't know what my app was, quoted me $27,000. <laughs> I was like, okay, bye, click. Um, but I then found this firm in, in New Jersey, Gearheart Law, and they're not $27,000. They're only a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks depending on the complexity of your, of your patent. You just need to find the right people who you mesh with. And also, don't find a lawyer who you don't like, you know, much like going to the doctor. If you don't like this guy, even if he might be the best patent attorney in the world, he might not be the right person for you or he or she, sorry. So you want to be able to find a lawyer who you can relate to, who understands your product, who uses your product, because that's a huge component of this. And that way they can write the best possible patent for you. 
and it's not expensive. You just got to find the right thing. Do not, whatever you do, do not find a boilerplate patent on the internet. You will not get your patent. That is like, for non-competes, non-disclosures, okay, fine. Um, but for a patent, I wouldn't do it. In fact, for non, non-compete, non-disclosures, do what I call the martini test. If you know a lawyer or know someone who knows a lawyer or if you're a student and you have friends that are in like law school, take them for a martini and see how much they'll do for you for free and then get whatever paperwork you need and then pay the difference. So the martini strategy, so noted. Uh, okay, so yeah, so it's it's not jump change, but you can get spending a couple thousand bucks on an attorney to do these steps, uh, I agree, is absolutely essential. And so to those of you listening, this is not the kind of money that's going to shut you down. You shouldn't be afraid of that. So worth it. All right. Well, you mentioned outsourcing, that you don't code, but you outsource a lot of uh, of work to to uh, exterior components. And I do the same in my business as well. And, and, and walk me through how best to do that. Uh, how do you research? Where do you go? Is it as simple as putting out a job on Elance. I mean, walk me through that. So actually, we outsource um, almost all of it. In the beginning, my wife was a graphic designer, so I I gave her the work, so I consider that outsourcing. Uh But now I actually outsource all of our graphics. I outsource all of our coding. Um, I outsource all of our marketing to PR firms. The only thing I really do is maybe do a couple support emails. And there's a lot of great resources online for uh, outsourced uh, people in general. So there's uh, guru.com, there's Odesk. Uh, those two are great. Even if you're trying to find people that are not uh, coders, for example, like on Guru, we hired an engineer. Back in when the iPad 1 was out, I wanted to create a business card scanner that would have been like, that would have plugged into the port on the bottom of the first iPad. This is like pre camera version iPad. Mm-hmm. And we hired an engineer on guru.com. He actually started building us a prototype. You can find administrative assistance, finance people. Uh, you can find legal help on there, but I don't. I don't know how much you would want to trust that. Um, but you can find a lot of programmers on on those two sites. Another great site is Airpair.com, where you can hire programmers by the hour. Uh, so if you have, let's say, you you are working on a website and you're having a problem, like sometimes I build in WordPress and I have a small glitch. I'll go there and pay somebody 60 bucks for the for an hour of support and they'll fix all the glitches for me because they have really good programmers there. Another website you might want to check out for smaller tasks would be Fiverr. Um, my Amazon listing for the book was written by someone from Fiverr. You know, uh, I'm not very well articulated when it comes to that kind of thing. So I gave the guy a copy of the book and couple bucks and he wrote a really great listing for us explaining what the book does so you can you can go to all these sources but you just have to vet the person um odesk guru will allow you to like ask questions in advance you can have them sign a non-compete and a non-disclosure you can ask for their portfolio just see if you if you drop if you jive with the person if they understand your goals if they understand your product if they're just there and they're like, okay, yeah, we get it, and they just kind of walk away and do your product, they're not getting the soul and the feel of your product, and it's not going to work out for the long run. But I used Oda- I used uh, Guru. We had a programmer in there that I had used for the first three years of programming. We've parted ways since, and I found other ones on other sites, but it's a great resource. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of those resources. Uh, the uh, the team that will likely edit this conversation uh, uh, was originally discovered on Odesk. So those are those are great resources, and and there's amazing talent out there, and it's not that expensive. In fact, sometimes it's it almost seems ridiculously low. I don't know if I feel right about it. So you can get really good, talented people for rates that that are are quite reasonable. I'll get over that money fear thing again. So, well, uh, if the rates are too, if the rates seem really low, there's probably a reason for that sure we were doing some seo work and some company was like oh we'll do your seo work it'll be i think they wanted like four dollars an hour <laughs> and i was like okay while i know this is going to be a waste of money let me just see what you do and of course it was not good seo it was spam bam backlinking and stuff like that but for four dollars an hour that's what you're going to get if you're going to pay somebody fifty dollars for an seo you're going to get better quality so obviously price determines but you also need to take into consideration price versus where they are our original programmers were in india 10 20 30 dollars an hour makes sense there but i have programmers in california that if i was paying them 10 dollars an hour i'm not going to get anything good i pay them 150 dollars an hour and you're going to get great products so understand where the the people are who are going to be doing the work for you and how much it's going to cost and kind of just give yourself a cost analysis to say like does this really make sense are these guys way underpriced than everybody else if so you're not going to get good work from them all right good stuff all right so let's uh so the product's built you've gotten through all the legal hurdles uh and you've hired all the people to build the thing and it's out there now now to market uh now, how do people find it? Uh, social media is obviously a, a critical piece of that process. Uh, walk us through a couple of key strategies there that, that one should employ when trying to promote the app. So depending on what the app is, sometimes you don't really have to do anything. You know, some apps like games, for example, the Angry Birds games and stuff like that, those just took off on their own. But for most of us, we do have to do promotion. So number one is have a blog on your website. The blog is the easiest way to do promotion. And you're not going to write just about your app. You're going to write about things that are related to your app. So for Sign My Pad, we talk a lot about going paperless and how offices can be more efficient going paperless and stuff like that. Those con- those blog posts then get tweeted and posted to LinkedIn and Facebook and all the other things. And that's what draws traffic to the site. If you draw traffic to the site and your site is built well, then you'll be able to get people to buy your app. Another great resource that we tell people about, I love this resource, is uh, Help a Reporter Out, Harrow. It's a free service to sign up for. You get three emails a day, Monday through Friday, for reporters who are looking for help with their articles. And the benefit of this is that you get to promote yourself as an expert in your field if you're answering their questions appropriately. I got quoted in the Wall Street Journal as an app, as a premier Apple consultant because I knew enough about the iPhone and AT&T. There's no reason I should be in the Wall Street Journal, like ever. <laughs> so, you know, you get you can come out as an expert, which allows you to build up your brand more. You know, Justin Escar, maker of Sign My Pad, help offices go paperless, explains how whatever. And I would have never been able to find that without that service. So, and that's free. I mean, some reason not to sign up for it. So have a blog, sign up for Harrow, um, and then just email as many people as you know, websites that you read, authors that you, you like to, 
to you know read their magazine articles and stuff like that. Give them free copies. Do whatever it takes. And take every good piece of press and run with it and every bad piece of press and run with it. <laughs> We've had bad press and we flipped it around to make us have more money. We made more money on one bad article in a month than we did the entire month before. And it's because we flipped it on the guy who wrote the article. And it worked. You just have to be able to do that. You have to be able to react quick without being angry. The people who wrote that article about us, my friends were like, you should sue him. And I'm like, that's the complete wrong answer here. We reversed their their thought process on us and people liked what we did and it worked out in the end. And you have to just take all of it with strides. Again, it's not anything personal. This is like we were saying in the beginning. If somebody doesn't like your product, it's not because they don't like you as a person. It's just that maybe they don't like the product. You either need to show them how to like it or pivot or do something along those lines. But that's how you're just going to – you just got to keep pushing it. All right. Well, Justin, we're about out of time. Before we let you go, how can people get in touch with you should they have questions? Where can they learn about all your apps and where can they get their hands on the book? Sure. So uh, the book's on Amazon and iBooks or you can check it out at my website, capitalizeonyouridea.com. I have a blog there with more information. The book is for sale there and you can reach me. You can reach out to me there too. All right. Justin Escar, entrepreneur and author of the new book, Capitalize on Your Idea, Bringing Any Idea to Fruition. Justin, really appreciate you coming by and joining us and sharing some key insights. Thanks, Todd. Glad to be here. All right. That wraps this conversation. On behalf of my guest, Justin Escar, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. What you want? What you want?